Welcome to the Success is Subjective podcast series brought to you by collegealternative.org presented by Lilly Consulting. I'm your host, Joanna Lilly. In today's episode, I had the pleasure of interviewing Amanda Copeland. Amanda Copeland, LPC, is a mental health counselor, entrepreneur, and thought leader who creates innovative solutions to fill gaps in the mental health care system. In 2014, she created and developed an idea for a mental health urgent care clinic and sold it in 2016 to create Copeland Consulting, a nationwide concierge mental health treatment team service. Amanda is passionate about helping people achieve mental health wellness and creating sustainable support systems and solutions which integrate seamlessly into real life. She is a speaker and a nationally sought after consultant who specializes in creating unique treatment plans and recommendations for individuals struggling with psychological concerns such as addictions, eating disorders, lack of motivation, and other issues impacting mental wellness. She is particularly adept at involving trusted advisors and family members in order to create the greatest impact. I was pleasantly surprised by this interview because Amanda is shocked full packed with wisdom and expertise, and I feel like I was caught stunned a couple times during the conversation with the simplicity in the message that she was sharing and just how impactful it was. So I'm going to stop rambling. Let's dive in. Here's Amanda. Amanda, I'm so excited to get to know you, and I really appreciate you taking the time to actually sit down and have this conversation with me. I feel like I'm going in blind, but I appreciate you for being here. So thanks for taking the time. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. So go ahead and tell the listeners, where did you grow up? Um, Kind of like, where were you raised? And then also, what was the messaging that you were getting from your immediate family, as well as the community in which you were raised about post-secondary education? So uh, I was born in San Antonio, Texas. And then from there, we moved around a lot with my mom after my parents got divorced and um, did homeschooling for a while until we landed back in Oregon, um, where I grew up the majority of my life. And so I don't know how much of it's me, how much of it's my mom, but I just always had big ambitions. So I would like, I remember being about like eight, nine years old and crying to my mom and she said, what's wrong? And I said, mom, I want to be a doctor, a vet, an astronaut, and just all these things. I don't know. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I want to be a counselor. And um, she goes, well, that's silly. Like, how are you supposed to know if you don't have the experience? That's what internships are for. We need to get you internships. (laughs) So she goes and sets these like little visits up with these professionals and calls it an internship. And there's, you know, lots of priming with different words throughout my life that really are setting me up for a trajectory. And the messaging is always, you can be anything you want, but you can't be everything. And so, you know, the only way to figure that out is by experiencing things. You could read about things, you could talk to people, but until you experience it, you never really have the insight enough to know where you're supposed to be. Um, So she got me these little internships and I went to a vet office for the day and pet some dogs and saw what they did. And like, you know, it was just really cute, the things she set up. So but the message was was always that we were going to go to college. That was the trajectory for us. Both of my parents are college educated. And so college 
to them was a way for us to get ahead but not i mean they made it very clear that college doesn't help you get ahead that college just gives you what you need and it's you and your ambition and your strategy and grit that gets you ahead i'm still stuck on the fact that you were doing these internships at at age eight (laughs) like wow talk about ambition but I love that you're, it sounds like both of your parents really just kind of molded you to, like you said, it's not that college is the end, right? Like that's what's going to launch you. It's college is the platform where then you make those connections, where you dig in, you experience grit, you demonstrate grit, and that's what's going to get you where you need to go. Mm-hmm. Where did you end up going to school? If you don't mind, were you a school in Oregon? So, yeah, so... um I struggled with some pretty severe depression and anxiety during um, junior high and high school. And it, it was really, really difficult. My grades were not the best. I was never really into school at all. I hated school. I, you know, I was always ready to be a flying Eagle in the skies of young professionalism. And, uh, but this is something that I obviously had to do in order to get to college. And so um, by the time I graduated high school, I had like a, 2.6, something like that. And I, my best friend was going to the university of Oregon. I said, okay, great. That's where we're going. Sounds like a good time. I go to apply and I get rejected. And I thought to myself, no, that doesn't sound right to me. So I went down to the school with my best friend. I said, so there's been a mistake here. Like I got this rejection letter, but I know I'm, I'm going here. And so the lady was like, this isn't a mistake. Like it's a rejection letter. And I said, what, did, what do you think it would take to turn this into a yes? Because I'm going here next year. And she said, well, you can appeal it if you have extenuating circumstances. I said, great, no problem. And she said, you need to take the ACT and get this score, above the score. I'm like, okay. So I go and I do those things. I write my appeal letter. And um, you know, I thank them in advance uh, and for their investment and belief in me. <laughs> to, to be able to override the rejection and put me in a school. And I got myself in. And so that fall, I go to college. And it was, I mean, it was really an interesting experience. I got myself an internship in the psych ward. I knew I was going to be a counselor. And um, I had been volunteering since I was 13 at battered women and children's shelters, and then, you know, other kind of psych things to set myself up on that path. So my resume at that point was like pretty extensive and it was me and grad students. So I'm interning in the psych ward and it's just, I'm having the time of my life, but I'm showing up in sweatpants and I'm showing up, you know, and, and my supervisor was like, listen, you clearly have a gift, but you have to, it's casual Friday, but not that casual. So you have to figure out what it is that's more important to you. Is it the message you have to say or how you say it? because your clothes are part of how you say things. And so it started, it started to shape me in a different way, all of these experiences. But eventually, you know, I left college, I take a year off, I go to grad school, because that's essential to being a counselor. And I'm still just dying to get out of school and just practice. And, you know, I mean, ultimately, school was a means to an end, like I knew I needed a paper. But my dreams and ambition went from a private practice when I was like 16 to owning a clinic when I was 18 to a chain of clinics by the time I got to grad school. So I knew that I was bound to make an impact in this world 
but it was going to be up to me to do it, not a piece of paper. And my parents always made that very clear. Well, I'm sure if I asked for your CV at this point too, <laughs> like you, you had more experiences, real life experiences, learning on the job as an 18 year old than most college grads do when they are graduating nowadays with that piece of paper that says that they are quote unquote experienced, right? Or they have mastered the basics of whatever their degree is in. But the reality is a lot of them are, are almost waiting until that last semester to have this like real experience. So that's, I love that you were to, to hear like how hungry you were for these like experiences and how you still kind of put your nose to the grind to get through school, even though it wasn't, wasn't your favorite place because it isn't for a lot of people out there yet as as a society we say like this is the best time of your life you know right like figure out what you want to do and the reality is school isn't for everybody and yet it can be a means to an end mm -hmm. it was the worst time of my life <laughs> it was literally the worst time of my life I couldn't wait to get out of it but like the thing is we all have to make sacrifices for the things you want to do and if you can feel a bigger reason, it'll pull you through. Well, and so I don't know the, I mean, I have an idea of what you're doing now, right? But by the time you're finishing grad school, which is what, like 22, 24, give or take somewhere around there. At that point, your entrepreneurial vision was to own not just a clinic, but a series of clinics. So Talk us through kind of what were some of those post-grad experiences that end up leading you to the path that you have, not that you've been on, but that's led you to create what you have created up to this point. Um, so I would also say that I'm a horrible employee. So working for myself had to happen fairly quickly. Um, I had my first job out of grad school doing in-home counseling for kids charged with felonies in Supreme Court in New York City. Um, so we worked in the projects, literally everyone that was involved with that kid, every single system involved with that kid, we were involved with them. Probation, courts, gangs, friends, schools, grandparents. Like if there was a system that touched that kid, we touched that system. So I became very, very adept at understanding how to navigate systems and work within them to create change for individuals. I'm very convicted that you can't take an individual out of a system and expect that person to come back and not fall back into the same pattern if the system hasn't changed. We rise and fall to the level the people were around. So I, you know, that really influenced this company I have today because if we work with systems in real life, everybody gets to change and heal together. And a crisis looks different for different people. So just because they didn't end up in the court system, just because they didn't end up in treatment doesn't mean they're not in crisis too. But yet somehow we expect them to be more rational and more functional and uh, seeing them as support people rather than drowning people in crisis. So um, that was a major influence. And I also struggled with my own eating disorder. So I would just be in and out of offices and sometimes feel worse coming out because it'd be an hour, you'd open everything up. And then I'd go home and I was left with myself and I could, I just, I knew exactly what I needed to do on a cognitive level. I couldn't implement it. I just couldn't like in that emotional state, I couldn't implement it. And I would always say if my counselor was there when I actually needed her, my life would look a lot different. 
And so that's another influence to having this company. But fast forward, I, um, I'm working at the alternative to incarceration company and, and, you know, they had not responded to my first application, but I knew I was going to work there. So I, I applied again and told them this is my dream job and I'm going to be here. And I got myself into that. So that was cool. Get my licensure hours. They start pushing me out. Turns out they don't need another captain on that ship. (laughs) And, uh, and so we all mutually agreed to depart and I have, um, my licensure hours and I decide I'm going to start my first business. And, and, my ideal was I would start my first business and have this paycheck and have the security. And I didn't anticipate being pushed out. And I call my dad and I'm, I'm panicking, you know, and he flies out to New York and, um, I'm like, dad, I, you know, I'm going to be homeless. I'm going to be homeless. I I don't do well in the cold and the wet and dirty. Like it just doesn't work for me. And he's like, he's like, listen, your worst case scenario is not that you're going to be homeless in New York city. He's like, your worst case scenario is you come home, you get a job and you start again. But if you never try, you never fully find out what you're capable of. And that thought just transformed me. I couldn't live with the idea of not knowing what I was capable of, even if I failed. And so I came down to Texas. I started my very first business, a mental health urgent care clinic. And it was really cool, a huge learning opportunity. Uh, About a year later, I sold it and I started Copeland Consulting because as much as I was passionate about keeping people out of the emergency room, I was also passionate about long-term work and being able to see people through the entirety of the journey. So I had a private practice that I kind of kept going through both businesses. I no longer do the private practice, but... I recently just started a virtual mental health urgent care clinic that is operating across Texas. So that's business number four. Um, And the first time I'm running two businesses consecutively, which is a wild experience, but I'm very, very passionate about impact. I firmly believe that success is my moral obligation because when I don't actualize my potential, I'm robbing everyone who could benefit from it. So I have a really, really big conviction that each of us has the obligation to be successful so that we can help as many people as we can. I feel a little bit of a stir within myself for some of the things that you just said. So I'm going to I'm like really excited to actually sit with uh, and honestly revisit this interview because I think myself included, obviously will benefit from the words of wisdom that you are imparting right now. And I think it also just speaks to, again, like there's, there's so many of us that live in this place of fear, uh, right? That, that fear based, like, what is the worst case scenario? Well, if we just literally direct our perspective or shift that perspective to actually focus on, the true fear is not leaning into like actually identifying what your true potential is. Like, what are you actually capable of? I mean, it could be sky's the limit, which is, but again, if you, if you never try, if you never know, you're going to be in this place of fear, like back where you were, Oh my gosh, I'm going to be homeless. I'm unemployed. I'm homeless. I hate the cold. Woe is me. Right? Like, please help me. Yeah. I mean, you have to be more afraid of not actualizing your potential than you are of being homeless. Yeah. I feel like we should just like let that lie for a little bit. So 
I'm just going to ask you kind of directly because you kind of talked about it just briefly. I mean, obviously four plus businesses, first time that you are running two simultaneously, which sounds like to me as a business owner, no sleep, but we can, we can talk about that maybe on another, another day, but good for you. Cause that is impressive. And I want to make sure that we're actually highlighting what the work is that is actually being done with Copeland Consulting. So if you can just, let's do a quick shout out, like what are you actually doing with that practice? So with Copeland Consulting, we're helping families heal in real life, in real time by constructing programs around them and their support systems in their environment. So whether it's virtual, whether it's in-person on an hourly basis or live-in, we have all these tiers and levels of support where we could come around a family wherever they're at and be able to help them. So maybe someone's never been to treatment and they can't go because they own a business or you know, all of these different factors, shame, or they've been to 14 treatment centers and 15 isn't going to help. So, and everyone in between. But the idea is that we're taking a whole family versus one person and we're creating a program around them. Okay, cool. Thank you. We'll circle back to making sure that we have all the links at the end, uh, discussing that and making sure it's included in the show notes. But having heard uh, like your journey, right, literally from age eight and then once the struggles really started in middle school, leading you through kind of a rather bumpy yet focused academic journey leading you to where you are today. I'm just going to ask you this question point blank because I ask all of my guests, having now heard that journey, do you see yourself as successful? That's a good question. I, I think because it's been gradual and because I have a vision of so much more, I could say I'm on the road to success. I think that as soon as you see yourself as fully successful it's almost a feeling that it's been actualized and you're done. And I don't want to be done until I die. So I'm always on the road to success. I love that. Okay. I wouldn't have expected an answer any differently from you. So way, way to show up. <laughs> okay. So if you could give uh, one piece of advice actually for, um, a, a young adult, maybe honestly, like circa 18 year old Amanda, right? Eject, rejected from the University of Oregon, you know, or somebody who's just struggling in school or in kind of that emerging adult kind of time period. Obviously, I just threw out several different types of examples, but if you could just think through, you know, where you want to focus in on and what piece of advice that might that you might give beyond what you've already kind of imparted so far uh, during this interview, what advice would you give to a young person? I would say it just doesn't even matter if you go to college, if you don't go to college. Like I think the decision to go to college is really dependent on whether you need a degree to do something that you want to do, but it is your beliefs about yourself. It's your beliefs about the world and it's, just your, your personality and grit to get there that's going to get you where you need to be. So don't think that a piece of paper is going to make or break your future because you're going to be sorely disappointed when you get to the end and realize that there's so much more work that you have to do rather than just follow this trajectory of going to school and then being done, getting a job. Life is, 
life is bigger than that. When you realize the power you have to determine your own future, it's just astronomical and having a reason to do it. Like I know with my business, it's a social enterprise. So when people actually pay for our program, it helps people who can't pay to be able to get the service they need to create a more equitable world. What a what an amazing mission to pull me forward every single day in waking up. And if you don't have something like that, then your life is going to start just dying. So either innovate or die. Like have something that pull, pulls you forward every day where you're excited about waking up. I love that. Innovate or die. Listen, listen up. Here's the call to action. Innovate or die. And honestly, if you're like overwhelmed by all of the possibilities that could exist, again, I think it circles back to like your mom's suggestion is like, well, you don't know unless you try. So let's, let's literally shadow professionals, do these micro internships, reach out, figure out, because you don't know unless you put your yourself literally in their office for it, even just a day to figure that out. Experience mm -hmm. is so important. Experience is key. Experience is key because you don't get the day-to-day -day feeling reading a book or reading um, a website about what it's like to be an engineer or whatever. Like you have to go and experience it yourself. 100%. Well, so how do, Amanda, just so I can ask this kind of uh, directly as well, how do folks connect with Copeland Consulting if they want to reach out to you? So you can go to copelandconsulting.com. That's K-O-P-L-I-N consulting.com. You can also email me, Amanda at copelandconsulting.com. I mean, I'm pretty easy to find on the internet. We don't have a whole social media presence because, you know, I'm pretty busy with everything. But um, yeah, I mean, there's always a way to find me. Perfect. And we'll make sure we have all those links in the show notes. Um, I just want to say thank you again. I know I kind of initiated it in the beginning of this conversation, like gratitude towards obviously carving out time. And now that I know how busy you are, I'm even more appreciative that you took the time to have this conversation. Uh, but in reality, I just appreciate the vulnerability, the honesty, the directness and the wisdom that you just imparted in this very short interview. So thank you for being you and, and honestly pursuing your path, because I do think that it is, it is impacting others. Like you said, you're going to be successful when you die. Thank you so much. That's it for this week's Success is Subjective episode. I want to thank my guests for joining me on this week and for being willing to share your journey. This podcast would not exist if it wasn't for people such as yourself. Stay tuned for the next episode where you can bet it'll be another amazing human sharing their personal story with the world. Make sure you check out the show notes where you will find contact information, website details, and all social media for our guests. And also put a face with a voice by accessing their interview on the newly formed Success is subjective.org website. If you're interested in being a guest on the podcast, you can email me at Joanna, J-O-A-N-N-A at successissubjective.org. I would also be remiss if I didn't tell you to check out the collegealternative.org and lilyconsulting.com websites for additional resources outside of podcasting. If you're listening to the show on Apple Podcasts, please do me a favor and subscribe. And while you're at it, feel free to leave a review. 
You can also download to listen to Success is Subjective on any other popular podcast apps such as Amazon, Audible, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. And last but not least... Success is Subjective is listener-supported, made possible by me and by you. You can show support for the continuation of this podcast by donating on the successissubjective.org website. Thank you for tuning in, and remember, there is no single path through life. Success is what you make it. teenager or young adult who seems to have lost their way? Maybe they need help navigating adolescence, adulthood, and decisions surrounding higher education. Or maybe they have become withdrawn, their grades are slipping, or they are flat out living a reckless lifestyle, and you're concerned about their health and well-being. If this describes what your teen or young adult is facing, a therapeutic consultant may be able to help. Mental health, addiction recovery, and higher education can all be equally expensive. While information is everywhere, how do you know what option is the best one for your family? Some parents have the time to research and navigate this on their own. Some don't. If the latter applies to you, enter Therapeutic Consultants. Therapeutic Consultants, like Joanna, listen to your family's specific needs and advocate on behalf of your loved one. TCs will research therapeutic resources, recommend treatment programs, and assist during adulthood transitions. Not being affiliated with any program, their support is completely objective and catered toward the best interest of each unique family. To find a qualified therapeutic consultant to work with, check out TCA, also known as the Therapeutic Consulting Association. Their website is therapeuticconsulting.org, all one word. Again, that's therapeuticconsulting.org. Then click the Find a Pro tab up at the top.